coaches, welcome to episode number eight. We're going to be talking about 10 ways that you can build a better basketball program. Now, this stems from the conversations I've had with some newly hired coaches, as well as from one person on an interview committee, what they're looking for in their next basketball coach and how to build a program. Welcome to the Coaching Lab Podcast, where basketball coaches build more success in less time by increasing their ability to teach, lead, and coach the players on their team and in their program. Thanks again for joining me for this week's Coaching Lab Podcast. We're going to be talking about building a basketball program. Now, this is something that all varsity coaches or aspiring varsity coaches know needs to be done. It doesn't matter what size school you're at, having a program that's going in the right direction gets people excited about it. It gets your community excited. It gets the students who are coming up excited about playing in the program. It gets the student body excited about coming to the games. So there are so many great things about building a program, but it's not easy to do. And sometimes there's so many moving pieces, you don't know exactly where to focus. So I'm gonna give you 10 different strategies that you can use and you can implement to improve your program. Now, if you're a new varsity coach, or maybe you're an assistant coach who's helping bring somebody in and bring them along because you've been there a while, then these are definitely going to apply to you and the new person taking over that position. Before we jump into these 10 different strategies, though, I do want to let you know where some of these thoughts came from and why this topic came up at this point. First is the summertime is a great time to reflect on what's happened in your program if you're already a varsity coach. For me, I always look back and I'm trying to figure out what's one area that we can improve on. So I'll go through stats of the last year's team and I'll say, you know, how was our rebounding? How was our assist to turnover ratio? You know, what were our free throws like? Doesn't matter what, and it doesn't have to all be stat driven. But I look back and say, man, there are certain areas of our game that we need to get better in. And then I choose one. I picked the one area that I think that we can really show the most improvement and have the most impact in our program, and that's what we kind of move forward with. And I can tell you, last year it was conditioning. That was the one area in our program I thought we had to get better in if we were going to be able to compete with the top teams and play at the highest level over the course of four quarters and then ultimately the entire season. So I dove in, I talked to people, I learned a ton about how to condition basketball players specifically. Now that's just one example and you can pick whatever area it is that you need to focus on your program. But I think the summertime is a great time to reflect and to be able to look back and say, all right, where can we improve as a program? Now, the other thing is I've spent some time talking with new varsity coaches as well as one stakeholder who is on the interview committee for a school's varsity basketball position. And the one thing that comes up is kind of a reverberating theme is they want to make sure they have a program put in place so that the future of their sports, basketball specifically, is in good hands. Now, I think that is tremendous. That's exactly what you need. And many schools who are kind of in the bottom of their conference, who haven't won a lot, this isn't a blanket statement for everybody, but a lot of schools, they have a little bit of a revolving door with coaches at the highest levels. And when that happens, there's a chance for the program to kind of go to the wayside. 
They don't have the leadership. They don't have the consistent message. They don't have the face of the program who's there to put it on the right track and to kind of keep it going in that direction. Now, there certainly are times when a coach leaves because they retire or because they take another position and there's somebody ready to hop in and just take off with what's already happened. Much of the time, these programs that are kind of at the bottom have maybe seen two, three, even four coaches in not a very long time span. If you're the third or the fourth coach to come in in maybe the last six or seven years, that means there have been lots of ideas, lots of strategies, lots of different communications, but there hasn't been consistency. And it can be tough and it can take time to overcome some of these things. So I thought it would be real important for coaches out there who are just taking over a program or who want to tweak maybe just a little bit in their program to try to help improve their standing and help them move forward a little bit. I thought it'd be important just to take some time and to talk about these strategies. Let's dive in here to 10 strategies or 10 ways that you can make a better basketball program. And these aren't in any particular order, and I'm sure we could throw one or two others in here as well. Um, So if you find one that works for you that's not in this list, by all means, certainly use that. But I think you're going to really find some value in what we have here with these 10. Now, the first one is program yourself to always ask what's best for the player first. I made this grave mistake when I was coaching in college. And in college, you're building a program as well. It's not like it stops. It just looks a little bit different from the high school level to the college level. But when I was coaching in college, one of the biggest mistakes that I made was we lost a game. I thought our team performed poorly. I thought our effort was bad. And I had us practice after we got back, you know, from the bus ride in the away game, we got out and we practiced. And it didn't do anything for our team. If nothing else, it just made them upset at me. I mean, we didn't get any better. The players weren't into it. Whatever point I thought I was trying to make uh, was a poor one. And that's one of those cringe moments. I look back and I say, man, what would I do different? I wouldn't have done that. Our team just wasn't able to compete at the level that I thought they were. And that was evident as we went into the next few games and we continued really not to play well. And part of it was I didn't create unity with the guys. I didn't build in the program. If anything, you know, I tore them apart just a little bit. Always ask yourself, what's best for the players? And if it's not best for the players, then it's probably something that's not going to build your program. Now, having high standards and having expectations that are set certainly are good things. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't have consequences if they don't follow the team rules or they don't meet the deadlines that you give them. Consequences can bring out the best in your players at times. But back to my situation where I decided to have players practice after we returned from a game, that wasn't best for the players. That wasn't holding them to really a high standard. That was a little bit of an ego trip on my part as a young coach that really shouldn't have happened. And looking back on it now, I can say that, but make sure that your program is always asking what's best for the players first. Second thing is spend time with your team off the court. Now, this can be tough, especially right now while we're dealing with the whole COVID-19. And if you've listened to any of the past episodes, you know that in my program, we did a summer skills challenge. And I was able to connect with some players in some different way and some leaders in our program in different ways. Spending time with your team off the court is crucial. 
in the first 20 minutes of practice, we like to go into our team room. We'll do leadership things. We'll watch a video. We'll watch game tape. We'll go through exercises. And there's just a a whole gamut of things that we do throughout the season. But that's before we ever step on the court. I think your team really grows when they get together off the court. And then when they step on the court, they have you know all these different connections and they start to bridge those gaps, maybe where their, their social groups don't always connect. Uh, but they, they start to bridge these gaps and you start to see them come together as a team. So it can be, a, if you live by a college, it might be taking them to a college game. If there's a sports movie that comes out, going to that sports movie, there's lots of different things that you can do, but spend time with your players off the court. Third is realize that success as a basketball coach is a process. And the new coaches that I've talked with, they're starting to lay the foundation and the stepping stones for what their teams are going to look like, not only this year, but in their second, third, fourth year, and hopefully beyond. They're looking to set themselves up for success. And those are the questions that they're asking, is how do we make sure that what we do now is going to lead us to success later, even if it doesn't mean immediate success right now. And I think that's the right question to be asking. Of course, they want to win right now, but they want to make sure that they have a kind of a long-term view and the trajectory of the program is in the right spot to be successful moving forward. Fourth is find a mentor to have an honest conversation with. Now, whether these coaches who contacted me view me as a mentor or they just want to bounce ideas off of me, they certainly are looking for information maybe that I have or that I've gathered from talking with other coaches that I can share with them. And that's a really powerful tool. If you can speak with somebody who's been there, who's done that, or just email them, there's lots of things that you could do. Just learn from a distance taking notes, reading clinic notes, so many different ways that you can learn from coaches. But take the lessons they've learned and utilize them to put yourself and your program in the best position. If you can have a face-to-face or a phone conversation with a mentor or with a veteran coach, then obviously you're going to get the most out of that right away. If you can't and it's through email, that'd be your second best option uh, or through maybe social media. And then finally, if it's just watching a video, if it's watching and reading through clinic notes or things that they've written, then you're certainly going to learn and pick things up. It just might be a little bit different and take a little bit longer than those first two options. But having those conversations with somebody who can give you feedback and say, look, these are some steps that you may want to look at taking or these are some areas that you're going you're focusing on too much you're you're majoring in the minors instead of majoring in the majors and that's one thing that was key you know when I first started as a coach is I had a veteran coach tell me major in the majors and not in the minors and I think that is such great advice because we can get caught on the little nuances which can be important at times but when we're talking building a program we want to talk about the major things first and getting those things done Number five is develop a program and not just a team. This is something that a lot of coaches who step in, they know they have talented players coming up and or they have a talented group that first year they're coaching. So they put all their eggs in that one basket and they're just going to focus wholeheartedly on that group and that's it. Well, as soon as that group leaves, what's coming up behind them? The talent isn't there. The height isn't there. The athleticism isn't there. And now all of a sudden, 
they aren't winning the games. Maybe they don't stick around because they're not winning the games. You know, they just hopped on board because they knew they had that one group that was coming through. Have an entire view of the program and how to get those kids at the lowest levels progressing until they get up into the high school levels and ultimately at the varsity level. This is what the the two coaches that I spoke with were really looking to do is making sure that their program was feeding into their varsity team you know, year after year after year. And there are ebbs and flows, of course. With any team, with any school, uh, you're not going to have the same player or the same caliber of player every year. But that doesn't mean that you have to have one year of great players and the next year it completely drops off. Number six, communicate early and often with your administration. This is one that I think coaches often miss. And I learned to be better at this as I got into coaching. But I've worked for some great administrators. And the one thing that I've always tried to do is keep them in the loop on everything. Even on decisions that they don't necessarily have to have an opinion on or they don't need to voice an opinion about, I like to keep them in the loop of it. I might have a parent who emails me or calls me with a concern. That needs to go to the administrator as well. I may also have a parent who calls just to say thank you or to say how much they appreciate something that's happened. That goes to the administrator as well. There was no questions asked. There wasn't necessarily anything that had to be done, but it keeps that administrator in the loop. And I think the more you can keep your administrators in the loop and in the know about what's going on in your program, the easier it's going to be when things come up that are a little bit tougher to handle. So communicate early and often with your administrators. That might be forwarding text messages. That might be making a quick phone call to them because you're just telling them, hey, this is what I heard from a parent or from a player or about grades. Who knows what the situation may be? Uh, And then ultimately, if it's via email, it's just hitting that forward button and copying in your administrator, letting them know what's going on. If you can do that and you can have a good relationship with your administration, then you're in a good position moving forward because things will come up. You're never going to totally be 100% on the same page with everybody. Make sure that you're on the same page with those key stakeholders. And the, the biggest one really is you're probably your athletic director or your principal or both, depending on the school situation that you're in. Number seven is bring in or bring along coaches who will be loyal and want to be a part of your program. This is key. Having coaches who are loyal to the way you want to do things will either make or break how successful you'll be. I've seen it sitting from afar, a JV coach who does a tremendous job and then leaves. They bring in somebody else and who just doesn't buy in quite the same, doesn't have that same knowledge and isn't as interested in being a part of the program, but they, they like basketball and they want to coach. Well, What happens is the varsity program suffers because the JV coach isn't necessarily doing as good of a job or buying in as much as the previous one did. Make sure, no matter what level, 7th, 8th, ninth grade level, you're bringing in coaches who will be loyal to your program and who really want to be a part of things. That might mean that you have to bring them along in teaching them your program, in teaching them some of the ins and outs of how to do skill development and how to develop a team and 
all the different nuances that go into coaching. But you'll be so happy that you did that when they show their loyalty and they stick around and you're not looking for a new coach every year or two and you're not having headaches to deal with. So number seven, bring along those coaches who will be loyal. Number eight is celebrate success. It doesn't matter what level your team is at, whether you won all your games last year, whether you didn't win a game last year, celebrate the successes. Set some goals up. Set some things that your team can compete for and can ultimately accomplish. One thing that I always struggle with every year is players want to say we want to be undefeated. Well, the struggle I have with that is what happens if you lose one game? If you're playing a tough schedule and you have just one bad night or your player misses a one shot at the end of the game and you lose one game, ultimately are you saying that your team was a failure because you didn't meet that goal? You've got to scratch that one off. So I've always struggled with the goal of being undefeated, but I certainly know where their hearts are and I know where their their mind is in saying that we are going to work as hard as we can to have an unbelievable, unforgettable, and undefeated season. Celebrating successes doesn't have to be an undefeated season. It can be a certain mark in assist that they have in a game. It might be a number of charges you take. In practice, it might be the number of layups that you make or number of free throws you make in a certain period of time. It may be picking up a teammate that down about something and you see somebody step up and really encourage them. That's a success. There are so many different ways that you can see it. Things that revolve around your effort or your player's effort, their attitude, their leadership, and just being a solid teammate, those successes will lead your team and your program to greater success. One thing that we did in our program was we implemented what we call our Bulldog Games. And it's a series of minute-to-win-it games where our freshman JV and our varsity teams come together over Christmas break. They come together all at once and they compete with each other. And the freshmen have just as much of a chance as the varsity players of winning these silly games. And they laugh and they encourage each other and the coaches get involved and it's just a great time. It doesn't matter what any of the records are in any of the teams. It doesn't matter who scores the most points, but it is a success when you see your players encourage and root for a teammate or somebody who they normally don't root for because maybe they're on the court and this particular player is sitting on the bench and there just isn't a right time or a chance to root for them. Well, in the Bulldog games, you can root for all of your teammates in the same way because you're all competing against each other in games that don't take a whole lot of skill. They're just kind of a little bit crazy and fun. That helps us celebrate success. And I think success breeds success. Success builds on top of each other so that this little success now becomes one to two, two to four, four to eight, and ultimately that's going to translate into what we're doing on the court as well. Number nine, include your family. And this is something really for young coaches. And, and at any age, you can you can do this. But young coaches just getting in or having your first varsity job, uh, I think including your family is key. One reason I stepped away from the college game was because there were limitations on how much my family could be involved. And I didn't want to miss what they were doing. And I didn't want them to miss what I was doing. Being in the gym is such a fun time. So when I stepped down to the high school level, 
really what I did was say, you know what, it's still basketball, but I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to include my family in this. Maybe your spouse likes to make team dinners. Maybe you have kids who want to come to practice with you. They want to ride the bus, want to sit on the bench. They can be a part of it in so many different ways. I've had my kids be in on our team meetings. They've been in on our team dinners. They've gone to college basketball games with us. They've gone and stayed the night when we go to team camps. I mean, there's just some fun things that you can do with your kids and with your family while also being the coach and bringing your program together. And number 10 is develop and grow your youth. Whether you call it a feeder system, you want to call it your youth camps, you want to say it is your youth league in the winter, or it's the whole thing, make sure that you're developing your youth. Now, for big schools, I've seen it where their feeder system kind of starts in the ninth grade because they have so many middle schools that have kids come into the high school. It's hard for that varsity coach to really have a presence in all of those middle school programs. So the ninth grade really starts their feeder system. If you're in a smaller school like I am currently, what you have is you've got a couple of elementaries that feed into a middle, a middle that feeds into a high school, and it's a lot easier to be a part of everything. Making sure that your youth level at the elementary age leads up into what you're doing at the middle school, and your middle school is leading up to your ninth grade, and your ninth grade then builds to your tenth, and they all build on each other, and that's through youth camps, that's through youth leagues, that's through having a a system in place that your coaches understand and can coach so that when they get up to the high school level, they've got the basics down and you can build on those basics. And there you have it, coaches. 10 ways to build a better basketball program. Take one or two, steal a nugget, make it your own, use it in your program so that you can find more success in less time. Coach, if you've enjoyed the Coaching Lab podcast, I encourage you to go give us a five-star rating and even leave us a review. I'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's episode, Coach. If you'd like more great coaching content, I encourage you to check out the Coaching Lab at CoachMattDennis.com. You'll find everything you need to have more success in less time.